Okay, what's up, Abundant Life? How are you all doing today? Hey, listen, I haven't told you, you guys are by far my favorite, favorite, favorite service, okay? And, and especially today, because you guys are alive today. You guys have energy, and there's some hoopers and some hollers in here today, and I like it, I like it. Great to see you guys. We uh, Merry Christmas, by the way. Let me be one of the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. We are starting a new series today uh, that's kind of a Christmas series. And we're calling this series, He Will Be Called. He Will Be Called. Stop and think about all of the different names that are given uh, to Jesus as we think about, you know, just tracing him throughout the Bible and what was prophesied and all these things. Some of my favorites, you know, he's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first. He's the last. Uh, He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the lamb of God. He's the the bread of life. He's the door. He's the gate. He's the stone that the builders rejected. We call him Savior. We call him Lord. We call him the Lion of the tribe of Judah. We call him the Resurrected One. Uh, We call him Brother. We call him our friend. All of these are names that are given to Jesus and so many more. The names of Jesus, powerful, powerful names. And in this series, we're going to look at this amazing passage of Scripture that Isaiah prophesied 700 years approximately before Jesus would actually come onto the scene. And in prophesying about the coming of Jesus, this coming Messiah, he gave us a beautiful and very powerful description of what Jesus was going to be like and what he was going to do. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, I want you to read this with me. Let's read it. You'll find it in your life notes. It's going to come up on the screen. Let's read this. Here we go. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We're going to go through these four names over the course of the next several weeks, and we're going to finish with the topic of peace, and that's going to be actually on Christmas Eve, and so that's going to be a great, great um, couple of serv- a couple of days of services, and so we're going to finish with that. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. By the way, there's a typo. It should be, you know, a Wonderful Counselor, okay? I think it has Mighty Counselor. I, I messed that up when I gave it to the people. That's not their fault. It's mine. And so he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Where did you get the name that was given to you? Who gave you that name? Why do they give you the name you were given? How many of you were given the name you were given because it was the name of a parent? Raise your hand. Okay, a few of you. Okay, my name is George. My dad's name was George. My granddad's name was Cutler. And so my name is George Cutler. How many of you were given uh, a name after a famous movie star, an actor? Anybody? Yeah, okay, back right here. Yeah, okay, okay. Anybody here given the name of, uh, of a Bible character? Okay, yeah, a lot of Bible characters. This is the spiritual group as well, okay? Okay, how many of you were given the name uh, that you were given just because your parents thought it sounded cool? They liked it. 
okay? And so we're given all these different names. There's a guy in our church, and I love his name. He attends our 8 a.m. service, and if I could have any name other than the one I've got, this, is, this would be the name. His name is Cruz Montoya. Isn't that a great name? I just love that. He's like, what's your name? My name's Cruz. Cruz Montoya. I just, I love, I love it. It just sounds so, so awesome. And, and Cruz, he stands about this tall, and it's like a fire plug. It's like this wide and this tall. And I, love, I just love, I love the name. But, but there's some crazy names out there. I, I did a little research on some. There's some ridiculously awesome names out there, okay? Some people got some great names. And so I came across some of these. Here's one right here. Jed I. Night. <laughs> Jedi Knight. Isn't that great? That's, that's awesome. Okay, here's one here. Batman. Ben Superman. <laughs> okay. So he's kind of got the whole gamut covered there. For those of you beer drinkers out there, I'm not advocating necessarily, but here's Bud Light. <laughs> Bud Light. And uh, I love this one. This one here, Crispy Bacon. <laughs> Crispy Bacon. Uh, somebody after the first service said, I know somebody, her name, her last name was Margarita. And her first name said was Anita. <laughs> Anita Margarita. <laughs> so crazy, crazy names out there. But, and some, so you stop and think about it. I mean, some parents are, I think are cruel. Some parents are just mean. When, when they, I, what are they thinking when they give some of the names that they give? I had a friend back in college, and his last name was Oder, O-D-E-R. And his dad's name was Evan. Okay, so Evan Oder. He named his son, anybody want to take a guess? Ivan. Ivan Oder. <laughs> Ivan Oder, did you notice Ivan Oder? I mean, that is so mean. Why would parents do that to, to their kid? You know, this, it's horrible, it's horrible. Well, this Christmas season, it's an awesome time of the year because we're, we're moving into the season where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And as we look forward to the birth of Jesus, what I want us to do is to look back at the prophecy of Jesus coming, the one made by Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6, and these different descriptions that were given to Jesus. And what we're looking at today is he's our wonderful counselor, a wonderful counselor. Now, obviously, two words there that come from two Hebrew words, pele yaetz. Pele yaetz, okay? Pele means it's almost like he's too wonderful to be described. You know, words can't even describe how wonderful he is. And counselor, obviously, one who's given great wisdom and therefore it has the, uh, the ability to guide us and to lead us, okay? And so that's, that's the word that, that is talked about here. Wonderful counselor. There's lots of counselors out there today, right? I mean, probably a lot of you have seen a counselor. There's all kinds of counselors. Why don't you help me out? What are some of the different kinds of counselors? Like, you know, we have camp counselors, uh, guidance counselors. Man, I knew somebody was going to say marriage counselors, right? <laughs> right. How many of you need a marriage counselor? All of us who are married need a marriage, marriage counselor. Okay, well, any other kind of counselors out there? Divorce, the divorce counselors. I know that unfortunately there are divorce counselors out there. Drug and alcohol counselors. Somebody, huh? You know, like guidance counselors, right? Career counselors, yeah. Family counselors, yeah. 
What? Grief counselors, yeah, grief, financial, all kinds of counselors that are out there. When I was in college, one of my professors said he defined preaching as mass counseling. Mass counseling. Now, that's, pretty, that's a pretty good definition because when you listen to the word of God, it should help you. It should guide you. And, and so, you know, I don't particularly like to counsel people. In fact, I don't do a lot of counseling with people. And one of the reasons is because they're not going to do what I say anyway. And so, <laughs> and so I'll just do it all at one time, okay? And, and so all of you are here. But, but Jesus is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. And, and I love that description because the reality is, I think most of us, if we're honest, could use a little bit of counseling. Most of us here are broken. Most of us here are messed up just a little bit. And, and we could use counseling. And, and we're messy. And that's why Jesus came. In his own words, that's why he came. You, you remember when he called Matthew and his disciples to follow he called Matthew, it's in Luke chapter 5, and soon thereafter, Matthew throws this party, this dinner party, and so all the tax collector friends are there, and the religious leaders, the scribes, and the Pharisees are there, and it's a very interesting scene, and in this scene, it says the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law, they complain to Jesus, they complain bitterly to Jesus, and they says, why do you eat, Jesus, why do you eat with such scum? <laughs> we know where they stood. And then Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And what Jesus was saying, I came for sick people. I, I came for people who needed to get well. When, when Jesus grew up in the town of Nazareth and he was in the synagogue one day and, and, and he was reading in Luke chapter 4, he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim freedom from prisoners. Is there anybody here today who needs freedom from something? And recovery of sight for the blind. Some of you here today may be physically blind. I, I saw a, a blind person come in uh, early, one of the services, whether it's this one or before. Some of you maybe are spiritually blind release, uh, to release the oppressed. Some of you perhaps are oppressed. The, the truth of the matter is all of us is sick in one way or another. All of us uh, is messed up in one way or another. Uh, all of us need help in one way or another. I, I could, you know, ask you, uh, how are you doing? And most of you say, I'm fine. I'm fine. In fact, I get a chance to talk to people all the time. When they come in, I'm all the, all the time walking around and stuff. And one of the questions I always ask, hey, how are you doing? And, you know, nine out of 10 people say, I'm fine. Doing great. Thank you. Doing great. You know, I could probably spend 15 to 20, maybe 30 minutes with you. And I'll bet I could find a reason why you should go to counseling. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, some of you, if I probe deep enough, you know, some of you are angry and, and uh, you're mad at somebody. You might, be, you might be angry at God and it may not hurt for you to go see a counselor. Some of you are depressed and, and um, you just can't get beyond that depression and, and you're just down. And you can't get beyond it. And it might help if, if you would see a counselor. Some of you are discouraged today. You're discouraged because you have a son or a daughter that's making poor choices. Or maybe a grandson or granddaughter that are making poor choices. And you're just discouraged because you see the direction that the life is going. And you feel helpless because you can't do anything about it. Some of you here um, are worried. Uh, you're anxious. 
uh, you're worried because of the political system. You're worried and anxious because of the financial system and, 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 and the economy of the world and, and terrorism and stuff like that. So you're worried and you just kind of live every day in a sense of anxiousness and, and you're worried about stuff. And it, it may not hurt to see a counselor. Some of you here are addicted to something or another, and it, you, know, you want to be free from that. You wish you could just break the chains of that and be free, and it probably wouldn't hurt to, to see a counselor. Some of you have marriage issues, and it wouldn't hurt to, to go see a counselor. Some of you are having a hard time forgiving a person who hurt you years ago. Years ago, they hurt you. And, and you can't get over it. You, you won't forgive them. You can't forgive them. And so now you've got all this bitterness and this, this rage and, and you're becoming cynical and your heart's becoming cold and hard and, and all this stuff. And it may not hurt to see a counselor. I mean, I, I, I could bring something out of you because the, the reality is most of us here probably could stand to see a counselor and have somebody help us work through some issues. Well, Jesus is our wonderful counselor, amazing counselor. And what I want us to see today about Jesus is a couple of things I want you to see, and then I want to talk about how do we access that. This is what you and I need to know about Jesus. If he's going to be our wonderful counselor, this is what you and I need to know about him. First thing is Jesus understands every situation we face. He does. He, he understands every single situation you face. And it's, it's good to go to a counselor who actually understands, okay, right? I mean, you, you know, nothing is more frustrating than to sit down with somebody and you kind of share your problem and they say, I understand, I understand. And you're thinking, you don't know, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, you don't know anything about what I'm going through because they've never experienced it. But it feels good when you sit down and talk with somebody and all of a sudden you realize they do know what I'm t- talking about. <laughs> I'm not alone in this. In fact, two of the sweetest words that you can hear from somebody when you realize that they do understand is for them them to say, me too. Me too. I mean, those words feel really good when when you're sharing a difficulty that you're going through. And it could be any of those things that I just mentioned a moment ago. And for them to say, me too. I'm, I'm wrestling with that also. There's something about that when you know that somebody understands and somebody is able to identify with you. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says of Jesus, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. He has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. It's hard to believe, isn't it? I mean, it's just hard to fathom that Jesus was tempted the way I'm tempted. It's hard to believe that Jesus was tempted with lust. It's hard to believe that Jesus was tempted to lie. It's hard to believe that Jesus was tempted to steal. It's hard to believe that Jesus was tempted with loneliness and depression and all that stuff. He was, he was tempted in every way, just as we are. And so when you come to Jesus, your wonderful counselor, and he says, me too, I understand. He understands. He understands, and that's so important because we don't want to see a counselor that really doesn't understand where we're coming from. And so he was tempted just like like we are. Sometimes it's hard for us to see Jesus that way. And sometimes we don't want to see him that way because it, it allows us to keep him distant 
But Jesus wants to get really up close and personal. I was thinking about this this morning, and it wasn't in my notes originally, but as I was thinking and reflecting over the message this morning, I remembered some words from Max Lucado. And, and I've used these multiple times because I, I just love them so much. I condensed it quite a bit. But Max Lucado, in one of his books, he wrote, to think of Jesus in such light, it seems almost irreverent, doesn't it? There's something about keeping him divine that keeps him distant. But don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't do it. Let him into the muck and the mire of your world. For only as you let him in can he pull you out. And so you've got to let him in. You, you've, you've got to understand that he understands. He knows. He knows what you deal with. And, and so here's the second thing that we need to understand about Jesus. As our wonderful counselor, Jesus extends grace and not condemnation. He extends grace and not condemnation. I mean, who wants to go to a counselor who's going to look at you and say, you're an idiot? Who's going to go to a counselor and says, you did what? How could you be so stupid? I mean, would you? No, you, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't, you'd go, you'd leave. You'd get up and walk out of the office, right? You, you don't need somebody to extend condemnation to you. You need somebody who, who can extend grace and, and to be sympathetic and to extend mercy and those kinds of things. I remember about six years ago, I was seeing three different counselors and, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I had to, you know, you don't, you don't tell a counselor anything unless you absolutely trust them, right? Those of you who've seen a counselor before, you know, you got to trust them really well before you tell them stuff. And, and I remember the counselor said, now listen, George, you got to be totally honest. You have to be like totally honest? Yeah, you got to be totally honest in order for me to be able to discuss with you and, and help you think through some things. And so you can only do that if you know you're not, it's not going to be met with condemnation or you're an idiot kind of a feel. I mean, all of these shows on TV, it was like Judge Joe Brown and, and Judge Judy and, and Dr. Phil and all those people. I don't watch those, but, but I've seen enough of them to make me think, are they trying to see just how big of a jerk they can be? I mean, they're so mean and they're so rude to the people. It's like, why would people subject themselves and go on TV and be subjected to all of that? Yeah, I know it makes great TV and all that stuff, but, but in reality, who would want to do that? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, again, talking about Jesus, let us then approach the throne of grace with what? With confidence. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The message version says it this way. So let us walk right up to him and get what he so gladly wants to give us. Take the mercy, accept the help. And so that's what we have to understand about this wonderful counselor. He understands what you're dealing with. And you need to know that whatever you share with him, whatever you discuss with him, whatever you talk with him about, it's going to be met with grace and with mercy. And so you can come with confidence. So the question is then, how do we access this? How do we take advantage of this? Because if Jesus is our wonderful counselor, but we don't access it, then what difference does it make? What difference does it make? And so I'm going to give you four steps, and these are really, really, really simple, okay? But I challenge you to do them. Here's number one. Meet regularly. You've got to meet regularly with your counselor, 
okay? If you don't meet regularly, you're just not going to get the job done. You've got to meet regularly. Now, since Jesus is on call 24-7, I suggest that you meet with him at least once a day, okay? At least one time a day, check in, okay? How many of you think you could check in once a day? Okay, okay. Now, how many of you have one of these? A smartphone. Okay, all of you here probably have a smartphone, okay? How many of you think people are obsessed with their smartphone? I know they are. I mean, you look at people. You look at people. You, you cannot go anywhere these days, and everybody in the group is doing this. Everybody in the group is doing this. Everybody. Everybody is doing this. The, I, I looked up a study of people and, and the addiction that people have to smartphones, and the top 10%, the top 10% will click, tap, or swipe their phone. Anybody want to guess how many times in a day? How many? 250? Way higher. Higher than 1,000, less than 20,000. 5,420 times. 5,000 times. 5,400 times they will click, tap, or swipe their phone. Now, that's the top 10%. I realize that none of you are in the top 10%. Okay, everybody here is everybody else, okay? And so for you, it's not 5,400. For you and me, it's only around 2,600 times a day. 2,600 plus times a day. People will tap, swipe, or whatever else they do to that thing, click, click it. I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody else. In fact, I have to be very aware to put the stupid thing away. Put it away. And this study was done before Apple came out with the watch thing that now people wear. And now it's even worse. You probably could double it. How many of you have one of those? Okay. And, and are you not tempted to look more often? Yeah. <laughs> He's going like this and she's going, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so, no. so you might be thinking, what's the point? Here's the point. How do you think your life could be changed if you would check in with Jesus, not 5,400 times a day, let's just say 2,600 times a day? Do you think your life could possibly be better if you would check in with Jesus 2,600 times a day? Okay, now, how many of you say, I I can't do that, I'm not going to do that? Well, you're not. You're not going to do it 2,600 times a day. Let's Cut it in half. How many of you say a thousand times a day? You're going to check in with Jesus a thousand times a day. Okay. You're not going to do that either, are you? What about 500? Could I hear 250? (laughs) What about 25? Maybe 25? (laughs) Now we're getting more in the ballpark. But you get the point. I mean, you've got to meet regularly with him. I mean, you you don't have to spend an hour every time you meet. But just, just, I didn't mean to make you mad. Get, in, get, into, get into the habit of, of just checking in with Jesus because he's your wonderful counselor and he's there 24-7. And you get into this conversation with him and he becomes that constant companion. And it's just so important to just meet regularly with him. I mean, Jesus himself, when he was on this earth, he had a practice of staying in touch with his heavenly father in, in Mark chapter 4, for example. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. I mean, he, he made time to do it before the rush of the day. 
And, and then you'll find in like Luke chapter 5, Jesus often, he often withdrew to lonely places. And that means like desolate places, places where he wouldn't be interrupted, okay, where he could pray. And so you need to find the time and you need to find the place to do that. And you're going to have outward distractions as the busyness of the world, your iPhone, you know, turn it off, leave it somewhere else, the, the noise of the world. And you're going to have that internal distraction going on, right? Whenever you try to sit down and talk with God, you think about a thousand other things. Okay, you got that stuff going on. And in fact, what I tell people is when you try to pray and, and other stuff begins to come into your mind, pray about the stuff that comes into your mind. Just pray about it. Maybe, maybe God's bringing it into your mind, and that ought to be the very thing that you ought to pray about. Okay? But, but meet regularly. That's, that's the point. Here's number two. Talk honestly. Talk honestly. You've got to talk honestly about yourself, okay? Us human beings, we are so good at skirting the issue and not being honest about who we are. And it's amazing how everybody else can see our blind spots, but we can't see what's going on and when we miss it. And we need to be open and honest before God about the stuff that we're dealing with. You know, our fears, our, our worries, our depression, our discouragement, our anger, all that stuff. We need to be open and honest before God about that. In Psalm 139, David had the heart of this. He understood. He said, search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. I mean, that's a, that's a prayer. My goodness. Go home this afternoon and say, Jesus, would you just point out anything in my life that offends you? That takes courage to do that. And then lead me along the path of everlasting life. You know, people, people oftentimes want to change, but, but they don't want to change things about them. And in order for that you to change, we have to be honest about this. Say, God, by your spirit, would you help me to see what's really messed up with me and help me to be honest about that? The, the reality is Jesus knows. It's, it's not that you're informing him about anything. It's you're verbalizing it and, and you're making it known. He knows. Good example is the woman at the well. When he, 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 I mean, he purposefully went to Samaria when he didn't have to go that way. He went that way because I know he knew he was going to meet this woman. And so he, he met her there at the well and he said to her, um, go get your husband and come back. Okay, go get your husband and come back. And then she responded by saying, well, I don't have a husband. <laughs> he said, well, you're right. You don't. In fact, um, the fact is you've had five husbands and, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And, and, then he said, and then she says, well, you know, what you've said is quite true. Sometimes I think we're afraid to be honest with Jesus because he might say, what you're saying is quite true. <laughs> what the Spirit has brought to mind about you is quite true. And we don't like that. But if, if you and I are ever going, going to grow and, and allow God to mold us and shape us, then Jesus, a wonderful counselor, can do that. But we've got to be honest. Because he knows anyway. Number three is listen carefully. Listen carefully. There's a time to talk, and there's a time to listen. Personally, I think you learn a whole lot more by listening. And sometimes when we come into the presence of Jesus, a wonderful counselor, we feel like we need to fill the space with, with conversation. We feel like we need to talk. Sometimes I think the most important thing you could do is just sit and listen. Amen. Come on, man. Preach it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so listen, listen, listen in, in Psalm 5. I told you this is my favorite service. <laughs> Psalm 5, 1 through 3. Oh, Lord, 
Hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groanings. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for I will never pray to anyone but you. Listen to my voice in the morning. Lord, each morning I bring my request to you, and then what does he do? Then I wait expectantly. I wait expectantly. I think some of the best advice that we find in the Bible are the words that the Father spoke to Jesus at his baptism in Mark chapter 9. Then a cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. How different could our lives be if we would listen to what Jesus says to us? Listen. When Jesus, you know, one of the, one of the uh, terms that Jesus used to describe himself was a shepherd. He's a great shepherd, the good shepherd. And back in Jesus' day, uh, when a shepherd would take their sheep to put them in the pen for the evening, uh, they all went into a common pen. And so everybody's sheep went into the same pen. But the next morning, when the shepherd would call his sheep, he would, I suppose, just say, here, sheep. And that person's sheep would come. That shepherd's sheep would come. Not all the sheep would come. Just that shepherd's sheep would come. And the reason is because they so learned his voice. They knew his voice. They recognized his voice. And they listened and they heard it and they followed. And that's what Jesus means in John 10. He says, my sheep, they recognize my voice. They know them and they follow, I know them, and they follow me. So meet regularly, talk honestly, listen carefully, and then here's number four, obey immediately. Obey immediately. It's difficult for us to obey. Or to obey. Sometimes we dig our heels in, and we say, well, I gotta pray more about it, or I gotta think about it more, or I'm not really sure that's what you want me to do. Or whatever. And, and, and so we need to learn to obey immediately when we know this is what God wants us to do. Obey immediately. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would, would agree that we are educated way beyond our level of obedience? <clears throat> In other words, you and I know far more than what we do. Right? We do. The, I've often said the, the biggest gap that exists in most people's lives today is the gap between what we know and what we do. What we know and what we do. We're educated way beyond our level of obedience. Most of you don't need to know anything else. You just need to start doing what you already know. Same is true for me. Same is true for me. And so we need to, to obey immediately. Don't wait. Don't wait. Obey immediately. You, you guys have heard of the law of diminishing and. Uh, Intent, I think it is. You have the law of diminishing intent. When, the, 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 when you know something you should do and you don't do it, the longer you put it off, the chances of you ever doing it become slimmer and slimmer. It's just not going to happen. And sometimes you put off something that you know you should do, but you don't. And, and now all of a sudden your heart grows cold to it and, and you don't do it. Obey immediately. And so here's my question for you today. What's Jesus advising you to do today? Even as I've been speaking to you for the last 15, 20, 30 minutes or so, what's Jesus been saying to you? What has God, through his Holy Spirit, been saying to you? For some of you, it might be, you just need to stop worrying so much. And you need to pray more. You need to slow down. And you need to pray more. You need to spend more time with me. You, you should go and forgive that person who's asked you for forgiveness. You should extend forgiveness to, to someone 
that's hurt you. You need to, to not go any farther into debt. You need to get out of debt. Quit spending money thinking that's going to make you happy. You need to listen to me more. You need to go have that conversation with someone. I don't know, what's, what's Jesus saying to you today? Maybe he's saying, you need to go see um, a Christian counselor, somebody who, who has knowledge and understanding. I, I, I think it's important that, that people see counselors. I'm not opposed to counselors. I've seen counselors before. God gifts people in certain ways to do that. Obviously, Jesus is your wonderful counselor every day, throughout the day. I'll be touching base with him. But what's he saying for you to do? I'm going to ask if you'd bow your head as we close out today. Just want you to think about it. And, and God, we, we come to you today and, and we acknowledge, God, that, that we are broken, that, that we're oftentimes messed up. We, we oftentimes find ourselves in difficult situations because of our own choosing. And God, we are so grateful that you understand because Jesus, we know that we're not tempted in any way that you've, not, you've been tempted, but yet you are without sin. So you're the one who can forgive us. You're the one who can heal us. And we acknowledge that today. But Jesus, we acknowledge we need you. And we need you to be our wonderful counselor. And so today we look to you and we ask you to guide us and to lead us. And God, I pray that you would help us have the courage to obey, to listen, be honest. Some of you here today have never given your life to Jesus Christ. And he desires to be your Savior and to be your Lord. And so if that's you today, I'm going to invite you to pray with me this prayer to invite Jesus into your life, if, if that's your desire. And for those of you who've made the decision to follow Jesus, I would also invite you to join in with this prayer. So would you repeat after me? Father in heaven, today I'm thankful for Jesus. Jesus, I acknowledge that you are my Savior, you are my Lord, and I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I choose to follow you, and I pray this in your name. Amen.